Welcome to Level Up Your Pharmacy Practice, a podcast you can tune into each week to learn about best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to level up your pharmacy practice. Well, I'm really excited to have this conversation with a colleague and friend, Trip Logan, and really, you know, try to understand what's going on with all this stuff. I keep seeing in the news, I keep hearing about CHW, CHW, CHW. So I really want to uh, kind of drill down into that with a, a pioneering pharmacist and pharmacy in that area. So Trip, welcome. Can you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your practice and, and what the heck is CHW? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Appreciate being invited to this. Uh, this is really my favorite topic right now because it seems to be bubbling up everywhere I am. So a CHW is a community health worker and a community health worker is a non-clinical peer-to-peer relationship, local expert in whatever's going on locally, both with healthcare and non-healthcare. So think of a, a historically community health workers have worked for faith organizations or nonprofits, and their, their job is to really be a, a navigator, a local navigator, an expert in local. And so uh, we've seen them in, over the last five to 10 years as, as the role has been evolving. You know, federally qualified health centers have had them and, and the community health worker works with patients to help get them on, you know, say, say Medicaid's expanded. They're, they're helping them get get set up on Medicaid or, or uh, you see a lot with food insecurity and, and connection to food banks or Meals on Wheels and, and housing situations. It's really that last mile of care. And what, what I've seen, so I, I'm a community pharmacist, second generation, took my first steps in one of my dad's drug stores. And I've spent pretty much my last 20 years trying to figure out better ways to take care of our community with not only our pharmacists, but the staff and in the three counties that we, we practice right now, which are very underserved, rural, Mississippi River Delta, catfish, fried chicken, sweet tea cigarettes, a lot of poor health outcomes, diabetes, and a lot of space between healthcare and where people are, live, work, because it's just healthcare desert. And one of the things that we figured out real quick is if anybody wants to get a hold of XYZ patient, whether it's the health plan, the physician's office, the discharge nurse from the hospital, whoever, like all I've got to do is walk into the pharmacy and say, hey, who knows so-and-so? I was like, well, I don't know him, but I know his sister-in-law uh, lives down the street and, and we deliver to her because her, her baby was sick last week and I was just there. So I could probably get his phone number. And things like that are so valuable. And so solving problems that are non-clinical, but really impact clinical outcomes and health outcomes, those things are the social determinants of health that, um, that you see really important to population health experts, federal governments, but local. And I'm hearing from health plans all the time in, in several of the, the hats that I wear, hey, we've got pretty good handle on care coordination for all of our patients, except for, for this small percentage, this 10% that are just unreachable that we can't reach. And guess who can reach them? It's pharmacies. And in the last few years, we've really drilled down on this to the point of cross-training. Six of our technicians and, and three more right now going through training to be cross-trained as community health workers. And that was a really long answer to a short question, Jake. 
Well, well, I love it. And, and one of my takeaways is you said you're in the area where it's a bunch of fried chicken and sweet tea. And I'm pretty sure I taught your dad how to make sweet tea chicken. Because uh, down here in Alabama, I combined both of those wonderful. And I ate that, and, and it's really well. good. He, and I, I've yeah, had it. It, yeah. So thank it you. It is good. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so I think that's wonderful. It's really exciting to understand what a community health worker is and and what they're doing. I love your explanation about it, uh, and and I think that you touched upon the key facet of this. Everything in healthcare is now about social determinants of health. I, I love this anecdote. I recognize that this is a minority and not the usual care but there is a Medicare Advantage plan out there that pays for pest control. So they will come to your house and they will spray your house for pests because they'd rather pay for, for the bug guy to come to the house or the bug gal or the bug pal to come to the house as opposed to, to paying for that $50,000 COPD hospitalization. And when we think about that initiative and how healthcare is shifting towards caring for the things around the patient, not just for the patient, uh, that's really what you're kind of touching upon with that CHW is they are identifying and triaging everything around the patient. Yeah. Well, and think about it this way. So we're both pharmacists. We both practice in the community. Uh, we, you know, we've got really similar stories. What do we do when we work in the pharmacy as a pharmacist? Well, we, we input prescriptions, we verify and we check for interactions like drug interactions. When patients like take those medications in the home, there are also like social interactions that impact adherence and it impact actually administering the drugs appropriately. Or like if you don't have a refrigerator, it doesn't matter how often I fill your insulin, right? And so these SDO8 social determinants of health factors, like these are interactions that are maybe not drug interactions, but they can really cause poor health outcomes. And then you start looking at the literature. I mean, it's ridiculous how big of an impact this has. Well, think about it. Like you, you think about healthcare, you're, you're at the doctor's office for a few minutes, you're in the pharmacy for a few minutes or the delivery driver's there for a few minutes. Life is the whole rest of the time. And so solving those problems, those aren't clinical problems. Like that's, that's something that we need somebody that's an expert in that space to, to help solve those problems. And we didn't have, well, and I'll, t I'll take a step back. When I was first hearing about community health workers, I was like, huh, all right, peer-to-peer -peer liaison, experts in the area, help solve problems, mostly non-clinical. It's like, well, that sounds like technicians in my pharmacist. Like, they do that every single day. And so it seems like a natural progression to say, okay, we've got these technicians that have the ability to do this, doesn't have to be a pharmacist. Um, they've got better relationships in the community than, than I do. And so let's, let's see about cross-training. Well, then the thing that I didn't realize, and naively, I guess I just didn't think about it, we were doing it for an enrichment, from an enrichment standpoint to really get our staff up to the next level. And we, we just knew this was a, a potential in the future and we were trying to be prepared and it's led to a lot of public health funding and like we're being paid for tons of stuff now. We weren't paid before we had community health workers, but the main reason is not because of the expertise or the training for these techs, it's really marketing because when I say, hey, I've got a, you know, if I'm meeting with a provider group and say, hey, we'd like to take care of your hypertensive patients. And I say, we've got these technicians that are great at this. They can help make sure that, you know, they have blood pressure cuffs and, and whatever, whatever. There's a big difference if I say I've got a community health worker. Like eyes light up at that point. I was in a federally qualified health center one time and helping them with some quality metric stuff they called. I know I've known these guys a long time local and they 
they called and said, hey, Trip, can you come up? We're having some issues with some of our metrics and just we hadn't visited in a while. Can we, can you help us with this? So I was talking to them and we talked through what we needed to do. And they said, what's, what's new with you? So, well, we just graduated our first technician um, to be cross-trained as a community health worker. And they said, hey, you've got community health. We have community health workers. Can we like connect our community health workers for cross-referral? I was like, absolutely. Yeah, no, no big deal. I'll, I'll make sure that she reaches out. And so we did that immediately following same person that had been a tech forever, but it just meant something different to the healthcare system. And so that's my pitch to anybody that's listening to this. You want to differentiate yourself, make sure that you're speaking the same language as the rest of the healthcare system. And community health worker means expert in SDOH. And it also means something different than technician, right or wrong. It, it just does. Well, I think that's awesome. And, you know, we keep saying SDOH and you keep talking about how that influences our health, the social interactions are your health. Well, the data show that 80% of your health outcome is social determinative health. 20% is the doctor and the physician and the medicine. So it was really the, the outside of the care. And I think you've done a really nice job explaining why a pharmacy should do this from a minimum marketing, from a maximum new revenue streams, opportunities to engage in all of that. You know, so we have that macro level. Could you give us, you know, before we end today, a concrete example of an intervention that one of your CHWs has done that, that really drives home the message of the power of these individuals in pharmacy. Yeah, um, man, just picking one is, uh, is tough. So we had my, my, my favorite one here. Um, we, we were participating in a CHW pilot and we were, we were um, trying to define uh, what these interventions Interventions really look like, and to see a if it's meaningful, two if it leads to better outcomes, does it save money? And this was this was early, early in this uh, three four years ago. One of our community health workers was in charge of a, a patient that was discharged from the hospital, and what we found was that, and this patient is um, um, uh, a bariatric patient, morbidly obese. I've known this lady forever. She struggled with this, but immobility is a problem, and she had some issues at home with her medication. And so uh, our pharmacist felt like, and, and she had a lot of other stuff going on too. So we were in the middle of this grant. And so our pharmacist was like, you know, we really, something's wrong with her. And so it'd be great to deploy one of our community health workers to do a home visit. And so it could be, it was funded in this grant. And so there, there are ways to fund home visits that we've figured out, realized past that. So I don't want to get away from the funding. This was grant funded and, and down the road that there are ways to, to fund these things through, through, um, through other sources. But we get to the house. And so our delivery driver took a community health worker with him and we get there. And this lady is um, really struggling. And not only was she having some medication problems, but she was having problems breathing. CHW called the pharmacist. Pharmacist said, get an ambulance over there now. Something's not right. Take this lady to the hospital. Find out she's got a blood clot on her lung. She probably would have died had we not been doing outreach. Okay, that's the story doesn't stop there. She goes in the hospital. She gets a lot better. They discharge her. They find out that when she's there, she also has a broken bone and she, uh, she needs rehabilitation when she goes home and she's in a lot of pain. And so we started getting some opioids for her because she was in terrible pain. And so we were working with her. Our CHW was still assigned to her, working with her. And after about two weeks, she was, after we were checking on her, she was in more pain than she was before. And so uh, Michelle, our community health worker was like, hey, tell me about rehab. You know, you were supposed to be going to, to physical therapy for this. And she said, well, they won't pick me up. And she said, what do you mean? She's like, they said that, that they don't have 
transit that will pick me up. I don't have a car. And so if you think about this, you had a lady that we identified was sick, get her help. She's discharged. We've got to make sure she has physical therapy and trying to solve these problems. And in fact, her bed had broken too at home in this situation. So, you know, we had, we had issues with potential, you know, lots of other issues. So what Michelle does is Michelle's like, well, this doesn't make sense. So she calls transit transit said, we don't have transit van that will accommodate bariatric patients. So she calls the state, cause this is a Medicaid patient, calls the state, ends up getting and schedules transit to get this lady to physical therapy, which is the only way to get her to lose weight, only the way to get her off opioids and also to ensure that she doesn't have additional blood clots. What would have happened if Michelle hadn't done any of that? Like this lady would have died. She would have probably died in her bed before all this and think about all the downstream. Multiply that by, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Medicaid patients in every small community, and I would say maybe even thousands that need additional assistance. What's that worth to the healthcare system? What's that worth to the Medicaid program? What's it worth to the taxpayers? What did we save? You know, those are the things we're trying to quantify because it's so meaningful. You know, this this one is and. It's longitudinal too, because just because we got her to the hospital doesn't mean her problem was solved. She needs somebody to follow her regularly. And today may be fine, tomorrow may be a new problem. So I'm gonna close this with, following this, we, we, we got to thinking, we're like, in the Medicaid program, what does that mean? Like, what does care coordination look like? So we did some research and we researched Missouri, the state of Missouri and the state of North Carolina in 2019. And we looked at their budgets and how much their expenditures were in the Medicaid program for care coordination versus prescription drugs. And we found that in both states, it was about the same. So you never hear anybody in the Capitol say, hey, we're spending way too much on care coordination. It's always prescription drugs. But do we think that money's being applied efficiently? Like, is it going to the right place? It should be going to Michelle, right? Because somebody was being paid for care coordination in a Medicaid patient, high risk, somebody's being paid for that. Well, they don't have access to it. They can't go to the house and check on her or whatever. So that that's to me, like, this is where this SDOH community health workers following this longitudinally makes the most sense. We really need to pitch ourselves as being the destination for care coordination for complex patients, not, you know, not just your at goal hypertensive patient that's on you know 10 milligrams lisinopril, not not that. Those ones where nobody else can reach. Hey, you got a CHW on, on staff in a pharmacy, here's X number of dollars per member per month for you to manage their care. Like that's that's what we're trying to get to. Well, I mean, if, if all we're doing is giving somebody uh, a 30-day supply of 10 milligram uh, lisinopril, I'm pretty sure Jeff can do that a little bit easier than, uh, than any of us, right? And there's nothing wrong with that per se. If that's all the patient needs and that's all they want, like Amazon comes to my house every day. Like it'd be really easy to get on that that way. But I think what you've addressed is the fact that there's more going on with the life of a patient and being engaged in the community and engaged with that person's life really helps out. And you talked about the value saved and the money saved for the hospitalization and how much it saved Medicare. Well, the bigger picture is you saved a life or Michelle saved a life. And, and what that really means to that person, because all lives are equal and all lives deserve this type of care. And all of a sudden they are getting it because of the interventions that these community health workers are doing. So, you know, thank you, Tripp and Michelle and everybody on your team that care that they give to patients, because we can really see the, the impact of a community health worker, why it's so important and why everyone needs to be doing this in their pharmacy. Well, and I appreciate you and CE Impact and all the, the folks that are really trying to drive this message as well, because this is a story that needs to be told. And 
you know, the under, most underlyized utilized resource right now, or not, maybe not like a lot of times they'll say pharmacist or pharmacy, but, but really I would argue it may be these folks that are working in the pharmacies that have such strong community relationships and a willingness to help, but just don't really know what to do or how. And so this, yep. you know, y'all are giving these fine folks a, a way to not only get themselves up to that point, but, but help these people in the community. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a, a great day.